even with Mike talking about grip, grip in a golf club, like one of the most basic things, like how crucial that is. Like I still think about my grip when I'm playing. So thinking about absolute basics, fundamentals, and then if I can absolutely master them, then it doesn't become a very, very difficult sport. It's just the external thoughts, getting too far ahead of myself, that makes it way more, way more difficult than it is. Hello and welcome to episode number four of For Fit Sake Season 3. Myself, Rudds and Mikey are going to be joined by Keith Egan, uh, one of the best amateur golfers in Ireland uh, and an all-round nice guy. Uh, Keith, who a lot of us have known, guys in the gym will have played golf with him, uh, done some training with him and generally kind of uh, been sharing his company and had a good time with him over the last couple of years. So Keith's going to come on and talk all things fitness related to golf, the experience of what it's like competing at the highest levels of amateur golf and everything that goes with that from a mindset point of view. Uh, before we get into that, very excited to catch up with Rudds. Haven't seen you in a long time, Rudds. What's happening? All good. Good to be here. I'm looking forward to picking Keith's brains. He um, he tried to save my Ryder Cup uh, outing last time. I went to the range and thought I found something and Keith was showing me how to find it. So uh, I'm looking forward to the follow-up. Did now. you find it? I found it on the range Lost it the next morning on the tee. Couldn't bring it. Couldn't bring it to the course. Uh, and Mikey, any crack with you? No, looking forward to catching up with Keith as well today. Uh, I was on the opposite side to Keith in the Ryder Cup a few years back, and he was beating me so badly he started giving me a golf lesson on the course, even though he was my direct opponent on the day. So that, that will come up again later that's on. That's what I mean. All around nice guy. Yeah. Right, so look, let's let's bring Keith in. Keith, you're very welcome. I don't think you've been in this gym before, Keith. Have you? No, I haven't. It's my first time in here. I've been across the way uh, a few times. So uh, yeah, looking forward to this now. Up above doing yoga with Anna. With Anna, yeah. I usually go twice a week now, and I found a massive help. So okay. uh, I've been going since August last year. Okay. So um, yeah, love it. Good plug for Anna. Uh, right, so listen, let's get into it. Um, Mikey, you did a little bit of fact-checking on Keith, which we found out just off air before we started. So Keith, we're talking about your, your highest ever World Amateur Golf ranking. It says 85th on the fact sheet here, but you were very quick to correct Mike on that. Yeah, so. it was 80th. So uh, twenty start of 2020, I got down to 80th in the world. So um, played very well 2019. I think my highest finish that year was maybe around 10th, playing in all the Irish uh, tournaments. Uh, I got very close to winning a couple times and yeah, I got into a good mindset that year, good balance in terms of work, playing golf and training. So yeah, I'm looking to get back even higher this year now. Nice. And like, what's that like? What's, what's it involved? So like, you know, obviously we, we've a very, you know, good, strong golf society at gym. A lot of our listeners would be, they, you know, casual golfers to serious golfers. We have a nice broad range. Like some people would hear that and think, like I saw Rudd shaking his head or like, how does somebody get to top 100 in the world like what what's it look like you know what level of competition is it at is it circuit based are you traveling much is it based in ireland or what's it like so all the ireland competitions uh they're the same guys that you see all the time you know it's a quite a big difference in terms of depth when you go abroad it's not necessarily that the that the top guys get better it's just if you play bad you're missing cuts or you're finishing close to last if you play good you always could have a chance to win in terms of when you start, like when I got to very high in terms of world ranking, I didn't notice much. I didn't like, it wasn't like I was playing unbelievable and thinking like, this is like, I can't believe what's happening here. It's just, I got into a bubble in terms of playing well and then being quite consistent and never really shooting high scores. That was the big difference. It wasn't like I was shooting the lights out and thought I was Tiger Woods. I was just being quite consistent and then just plugging away each tournament at a time. So you never really have a goal. Like with golf is kind of 
different. You could be trending a certain way, you could be playing very well in the off season and then enter a season and then all of a sudden you could play terrible. So it's all kind of form based. So it's managing your it's also managing your expectations, but then also managing your game throughout the season. So when you're playing bad, being able to grind out a good score or grind out an okay score. So then all of a sudden your scores and your tournaments throughout the season could add up to being quite a decent season, even though you haven't felt like you've played amazing. Mm. That makes sense. So it's not necessarily, you don't judge your season really on, obviously wins are amazing, but golf is a very unique sport where you might you might have a phenomenal, even amateur career and win 10% of the time. Tiger Woods is the most dominant player ever and you, like by a mile, and has only won like 22% of, of the tournaments he plays in, which is phenomenal. Jack Nicholas, who's also the greatest player of all time, well, Depends let's say ask. let's say going by majors, which is what we all kind of rank players by. Jack Nicholas only I think won like ten or twelve percent of the time that he played. So you you don't really judge by winning. You judge about like performance and consistency and and like let's say if you look back on a season, you see that uh, the amount of top tens, top five finishes that you had. That's kind of how you judge your season. And we we spoke once to Shane Lowry probably Christmas twenty. 19 maybe was it or 2018 2018 can't even remember at this stage all the years are blurring but that's something that he said was a big thing is that like he used to set a start the year we met him kind of when he was doing his goal setting for the following year and he talked about he used to kind of start sit down at christmas day right next year i want to win x amount of events or try peak at certain times but he said that christmas he changed his mindset because no matter how well he played like you're saying there keith you know, guy next to you could just have the week of his life and, and beat you, and you've got all your your kind of hopes tied to wins uh, instead of more like process based goals. Yeah, and that's actually a great example that you give Lowry, especially what happened last week in in the Honda Classic, where he's in cruise control about to win a tournament. All of a sudden, an absolute hurricane uh, comes in, and then he has absolutely no chance of birding the last hole. So yeah, you just never know. Golf is very very unpredictable. So all you can really aim towards is is playing your absolute best and then if you play your absolute best let's say in my situation playing the amateur circuit i feel like if i can get to my absolute ultimate performance level then i will win tournaments results will come so you can, uh, and golf is kind of a unique sport where it's not like rugby rugby uh, uh if you perform well that affects how the team you're playing performs golf it doesn't really matter you're literally playing against the golf course certain players and certain people will get affected by how you play because it might be intimidating it might be uh they might be trying extra hard because you're making birdies or pars when when they're struggling but it really doesn't matter so you need to kind of get into your own bubble and then try play as well as possible and then that kind of the results look after themselves I'm watching the differences then from kind of like a double barrel question here. You're talking about mindset there, right? And like, what's the difference between you when like you've got that year where you're, you know, top 100 in the world, you're you know, top, you're one of the, you know, you have a really good competitive year in Ireland. What's the mental difference when you get into that bubble between that like kind of purple patch and just like an average season? Is there anything you can put your finger on psychologically? Absolutely. It's, it's more so um, distractions. And, and it comes down to goal setting, it comes down to process. I think process is one of the, the biggest and most important aspects of golf. So when you, uh, when you look at, um, so that year, 2019, when I, I started playing really well, was actually quite funny because 2018, I was playing terrible. And I, uh, I set a plan with my coach, like a couple aspects of my swing that I needed to work on. And then that's basically all I was concerned about going into 2019. So I had a goal that I wanted to get on the Ireland team. I knew that the home internationals were on, on in Lahinch. And uh, Lahinch is 
my favorite course probably in Ireland because of the the not only the the golf course itself because of the town the people the whole occasion that kind of comes with the golf course so I had an ultimate goal of getting on the home internationals and then I knew roughly what I needed to do to get on the the home international team so I literally just set a goal myself I was like okay I don't really give a shit what anyone else does I'm just gonna go about my game work on what I need to work on get as good as I can get each practice session that I that I that I participate in or that I that I do I'm going to give a hundred percent even if that means going out and hitting 10 balls I'm going to give a hundred percent dedication into that practice and then that just kind of added up and added up and added up and then by the time the summer came around I was in such a kind of flow state of mind that I wasn't really thinking about external things so I wasn't thinking about other lads that I was competing with to get on a team or or how difficult conditions were or how difficult golf courses were or anything that was going on. I was just thinking about what I could actually manage. So then my expectations became very, very uh, manageable as well because I knew exactly what was going on in my game. So, and then what happens then, what happened then, I think 20, 2020, when the lockdown happened, uh, all of that situation, I started, I started getting my goals and my expectations a lot higher. So I started to kind of get a little bit more, um, external thoughts so let's say um uh, thinking i need to get my ball striking a lot better and so losing focus on basics so if you get usually golf like if you get basics very very well i mean like me and you have talked about this a million times rory even with mike talking about grip grip in a golf club like one of the most basic things like how crucial that is like i still think about my grip when i'm playing so thinking about absolute basics fundamentals and then if i can absolutely master them then it doesn't become a very very difficult sport it's just the external thoughts getting too far ahead of myself that makes it way more way more difficult than it is like the way you make the most complex sport in the world sound not that difficult but it is i think i think like golf is unbelievably complicated and we always talk about this like especially when you're playing bad it seems a million times more complicated than it is but you're literally just hitting a ball around the field like the more the more you break it down the easier it really is and then it comes down to uh, like obviously club face control in in terms of a golf swing is the most important thing but for me what I came down to realizing back the start of 2019 with my coach Gav Lunny was kind of realizing what I can and can't do like well so let's say I had I had uh, I, I was quite stiff in my thoracic spine so so realizing that when I get into cold conditions that I might not turn as well and then I'm gonna I'm gonna miss shots a little bit more right so realizing that, so when I stand up on a first tee and and I'm in, I'm in, let's say in La Hinch and there's wind howling off the left and so, and I'm cold, I realize that if, okay, if I'm going to miss a shot here, I know that it's going to go right. So why don't they just aim 20 yards left and then I can just, I can hit a percentage shot and it's going to hit the fairway. So realizing things like that. Th- that kind of leads me into the next question, which is like, so you talked about your own mindset, getting into that kind of flow state, focusing on the process and avoiding the distractions really is what it sounds like. So like, how does that com- compare then to like, because you play a lot of golf with amateurs, right? And obviously we've played a lot of golf together and like you play in our golf society where you've, you're playing off what, like plus five, plus six? Yeah, or, plus five, know? yeah. So you're playing off that and, and you're playing with someone who's off like 26, you know? So there's like Mike, Mike Mike's thumbs up. What, yeah, what? so so let's say, let's say Mike is a perfect example. Uh, some, but some but someone who doesn't, who doesn't, who, who like, but who who plays a decent amount but it comes down to uh like getting better at golf like because mike has all the physical attributes and it was the same with ruds when we were down in in doing like i was looking at a ruds swing a golf club i was like 
this guy could be phenomenal at golf if he put in an effort. But it, it, it's a lot of it is about golf and IQ. So realizing, let, let's say with with Mike, his tendency is to is to miss right or to slice the ball, and it, it just comes down to his grip. His grip is very very weak. So if Mike played more or let's say uh, got a couple of lessons, would realize okay, if I have trouble on the right here, I can just strengthen my grip, and the shot's not going to go right. That's all. Like because I've seen guys, I've seen even professionals that have quite weak technique or. Their fundamentals might not seem ideal, but they know exactly what they can and can't do. And if they have trouble on a particular side of of a hole, they understand what to do to to not go in in the hazard or not go out of bounds or to like optimize their potential. And then to bring that right into like what what's kind of the question I'm leading to, leading towards is like you talked about you know you could have a season that you think is. You know, it could actually be quite a good season, but when you're in the midst of it, you're thinking it's not going great. So, like, if you break that down to like the amateur, like, say, Mike, Mike, we use you okay if we use you as an example again here? Yes, fine. Yeah. So, like, you know, Mike's not having a good day, right? He's five or six down. He's, you know, he knows he's losing twenty bucks or he's paying for lunch or whatever. Like, what does Mike do on like a kind of a like a micro level to like just try get back and be in the moment and like because what happens to like most amateurs, including myself, when I play, things aren't going well. I overthink things everything gets very difficult very quickly whereas you're able to distill that over a whole season and stay focused on the process but like for most of us amateurs you know it's like bipolar golf you have a good shot a bad shot and yeah. your, your head's all over the place like how do you kind of it's very easy to say stay present and stay in the zone but yeah that, like staying present and stay in the zone like what like because the, the zone is kind of hard, a hard thing to define what I what I think and this also comes back to people like they get very very angry on a golf course I also sometimes I will get disappointed or let's say I hit a bad shot at a certain time might get angry but golf is very much a sport where every shot has equal significance so you need to be able to um learn from every shot if you hit a bad shot learn why you hit a bad shot and then that will make the next shot easier to correct or easier to 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 fix like for me I always find that like Grinding as much as possible on a golf course is very, very important. I see what I see about a lot of amateurs is that they're just like, it's not my day. I'll, I'll just, I'll, I'll come back tomorrow and I'll try play well. But realistic thing is like, it's all about a score. So every shot counts. So you need to try, like, I don't care if you're 50 yards away from the green and you have to hit a three wood because you're afraid you're going to duff a chip. Like, it doesn't matter. You know, you need to try, you need to just try get the ball in the hole in the fewest amount of shots. It doesn't matter how you do it. Um, for me, like if I'm in a tournament and I'm playing particularly poorly, let's say, and I let's say I've had a bad start, let's say, for example, I might be five over after six, like something that I would consider kind of disastrous. Uh, it's it's trying to it's trying to reevaluate everything and go back to your basics, and then you can kind of figure things out. So, like, don't let the rage or don't let the disappointment or don't let your emotions get in the way of what you're trying to do. You have a task in hand. You're trying to shoot a good score, like five over after six. In my position, like the level that I kind of play at, I can birdie any hole in the golf course. So, you know, don't stress out. Like maybe if you're 12 over after 15, then I can get a little bit disappointed. But don't don't give up until like it's the last hole is over. Um, Yeah, and I think just learning in between shots is the most important thing. And that comes down to golf IQ as well. So. Uh, let's say I have a, I have a particular uh, bad shot going on during the day known uh, a specific shot that will keep me in play and then I'll be able to play with throughout the day Nice Just for me there Keith obviously you've talked a lot about the, like the summer and getting to the big events and you talked a lot about mindset and like working with your coach and kind of goal setting for the year ahead of you 
what, what does your like say you're the south of Ireland that's the big one isn't it um, you're heading down to that like what did the two weeks in advance of that like look like for you um, what do you do off the golf course as opposed to and the work you do with your coach and like what do those two weeks in the build up to an event look like for you yeah so that, that's actually a great question because um, the, like the big difference between what me and my coach work on in, in the off season is completely different to like during the season so in the off season we'd be working more on fixing possibly technical issues so let's say for example I might take the club a little bit too far on the outside we'll, we'll work on something like that uh, in the off season but then when I have tournaments coming up it's working on specific shots so let's say working on trying to hit a, a fade that I can repeat every drive so let's say if I'm struggling with my driving being able to repeat a certain shot every every time so when I get under pressure and when I'm standing on the 17th in in La Hinch and I'm I'm in a semi-final or whatever uh, I can feel confident about hitting that shot I know what to do I can stick to my process and my pro when I say process I mean as soon as I tee up the ball my practice swing putting the club face down set my feet up I know exactly what to do in order to hit a fade uh, and then in terms of like how I prepare individually leading up to a tournament would be instead of grinding on the range hitting loads and loads of balls I might hit in a range session, I might hit 30 balls, but treat it every ball like I'm playing in the hinge. So I'll visualize the first tee shot, I'll visualize the second shot, I'll visualize the, the second tee shot. And then especially certain tee shots that I find uncomfortable because there there's in various courses that you go and play, there's always certain holes that are very, very uncomfortable. And then it's kind of, uh, that's where I suppose meditation is very, very important. I I try to do a lot of medita meditation. It's, um, and I, I've, I've implemented that into my, my life off the golf course and to help my um my sports or my golf uh like for the last i'd say six or seven years but trying to visualize certain holes or certain shots that i might have in a tournament and then also maybe even the situation so then i was telling rory this when i played in um in in the final of the south a few years ago like i didn't particularly play well in in the final but i uh I didn't feel nervous. I didn't feel uncomfortable. And any situation that I've really got in, like even playing the, the home internationals in, in La Hinch, I didn't feel uncomfortable at all because I visualized it all. Like it, it wasn't like, I actually kind of got there and I felt quite underwhelmed because I was thinking like, Jesus, I, you know, I thought I was going to be mad nervous here, but no, nothing at all. So um, mainly it was just because I'd put the practice in. Yeah. So it wasn't, it wasn't a big deal. It was just another shot. Same thing. Every shot, even in the first round that I played, that year in Lynch, uh, in the in the uh, in the qualifying, when Rory caddied for me, actually, uh, that had the same significance as like the the tee shot on the eighteenth. So, just keeping in, staying present is a very uh, is a very probably overused thing. But I was just trying to stick to my process, and process was just as soon as I put the tee down, trying to repeat the same thing over and over again. And Rose, you can attest to this with like with the Ireland team is that there's so like. Preparation is so important. So then when, when guys get into a game, they don't think about anything. It's all just a reaction. Golf is a little bit different because you have so much time to think about it. You have so much time to think about hitting bad shots. You have so much time to think about topping a shot or a bad lie or to get upset about things. Rugby, you don't have time because you have a guy who's 100 kilos running at you trying to kill you. So uh, golf is, is a very special sport in terms of that. So that's why when I keep bringing up process, process is very important. Uh, there's actually a, a great book by... Uh, Annika Sarnstam, who's one of the greatest golfers of all time, where she talks about like her pre-shot routine is the most important aspect of her golf game. So when she played her first Solham Cup, which is Europe against the US, 
she got her she when she hit her first tee shot she got her caddy to time her pre-shot routine on the first hole because usually when 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 people get nervous their pre-shot routine their swing everything about their manner starts to speed up so she was the fact that she was nervous she tried to really really concentrate on sticking to her pre-shot routine i think she had like something like 48 seconds was her her goal that uh, her pre-shot routine that she stuck to so she talks about that and the reason why her book is called par 54 is because if you play golf course let's say you've played carton house rory You've birdied every hole probably on the course. Let's say the O'Meara course. You've birdied every hole at some stage. You think I didn't birdie so, every hole on the Monty? So, <laughs> so there's no reason why you can't do that in one day. I know obviously hit, like, uh, uh, hitting whatever long shots, 54 long shots that you might hit um, uh, in terms of ball striking. Trying to repeat those swings is is almost impossible to do. But what she says to give you an, opt- an optimal chance of performing well your pre-shot routine, your process, your mindset. If you're, if what you do physically is repetitable and you repeat what you, you like, leading up to the shot, that'll help repeat your 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 mind process as well. So um, that's what I talk about, and that's something that I really stick to. And it keeps you. It, it tries to. Keep, what I say to everyone is that it tries to keep all the bullshit out of your brain. It doesn't let any negative thoughts come in. And even if negative thoughts come into your mind, you have something to focus on. So it doesn't really. It doesn't really stick around or it doesn't, you don't hang on to it in your mind. Harness good, block bad. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's, that's, one, one of the best stories I heard about that, Rudd, that you jump in a sec, is um, was Seve before he went over to compete in the Masters. He recorded, or he got his mate to record, uh, like fake commentary of all, um, all 72 holes, right? So like every shot that he hit over an imaginary four day round. And this tape was like, you know, 15, 16 hours long. Yeah. What Sevi did is he listened to it for like a month, like straight. Even on the plane over as well. Yeah, and, it's and one of the best stories ever. Yeah. On the plane while he was flying over. I don't know how long the flight was back then, but like, you know, he listened to the fo- the back nine on Sunday. Everyone says about Augusta. He listened to that on the plane flying over. And then when he won it, he's like, I've, pl- you know, not only have I played it in my mind, I've listened to it and visualized somebody else explaining to me how this was going to go. So I had no doubt in my mind ever. I was just playing out the, the script that I had to play and like you know to the level of detail that you know so it almost there. seemed like fate to him like when he was yeah. going through the process yeah he was just like oh I'm just gonna go do this and, and I'm gonna win <laughs> yeah. and, and, and like you talk about being underwhelmed that's the way he said he was just I, like, well exactly. I just knew it was gonna happen so what difference does it make I just showed up and it's funny it when you talk it. about like it's the same in every sport like Dan Carter is a great person uh, who speaks about this like uh treating every kick in practice like it's it's to win a World Cup. So then that's when it comes to a game and you've 60,000 people watching you kick, you're not nervous because you've done it a million times in your head. Like the, it, it's it's one of the most important things um, and you always hear top athletes talking about it. You, talk, you talked a lot, Keith, about the mental side of it, so the mindset and how you set up for that and then obviously like how you structure your practice on the range side of things. And obviously they're going to be more important than what you do from a physical side, whether it be in the gym, whether it be yoga, but just, I suppose, to give us an insight into what you do, because I think you're in a unique situation where not only are you a top quality golfer, but you're also someone who's qualified in terms of a coaching perspective mm-hmm. from understanding the body. So kind of give us an outline of what you do both in the off-season and the in-season physically to support the golf. Yeah, so uh, in the off-season, I usually focus a lot more on strength training. So I, w- I would focus a lot more on on lifting heavy weights, uh, like trying to get my, my deadlifts, my squats, my bench press up as high as possible. And then during during the season, I'm, I'm doing a lot more dynamic movement. So my 
my my workouts would be a lot less heavy heavy lifting but a lot more uh dynamic movements uh such as like i'll always incorporate turkish get-ups into my workouts uh like landmine press uh clean press using kettlebells and then also when, when i go to certain facilities like i might i might be in a, a hotel in in portugal that has like minimal facilities so doing a lot of uh a lot of kettlebell work um and then also uh, mainly sticking to mobility exercises as well. So I find, especially the mornings of playing playing golf tournaments, I need to I need to do exercises that help get my body activated. So um, uh, I'll, yeah, so like doing a lot of um ninety ninety uh, movements, doing a lot of shoulder mobilities, um, shoulder mobility exercises, um. So then that's where yoga comes into play for me, especially during the season is very important, like before, especially before I play, because it helps get all my joints nice and loose, helps get my body warmed up. And I feel like the more I I work on my physical aspect of my game, the easier the mental aspect is because I don't enough, my mind and my body aren't fighting against each other. So physical preparation is so important for me. Um, also, I'm a type one diabetic, so strength training is very very important to me so it's very important to keep that up even throughout the season but i just won't go as intense in terms of my my lifting i won't so i'm i'm not i'm avoiding any injuries or i'm not um i'm not putting my joints under any stress so um yeah so that's that's really what i i kind of stick to throughout a season um yeah so kind of around september october is when i'll, I'll start i'll start getting a plan in terms of lifting heavier weights and then kind of from the middle of March and until late July, late August, I'll uh, I'll stick to a lot more uh, lightweight and uh, mobility training. So when you're in that off season, what would a typical kind of strength work, like how many days a week are you doing a strength work when you're trying to improve strength? And what would your kind of typical week look like in terms of session splits, et cetera? So uh, I, I would... I would generally do more traditional splits in terms of uh, like an upper body and a lower body. So I'll do, um, I'll generally do um, upper body strength training on a Monday, Wednesday, and a Friday. So that will consist upper. of upper. Nice. So, so that, but that, I'm, I'm, I'm also a person who likes to, I like to have very strict schedule. I like to have, so uh, I, I like to work out kind of six days a week. And even on my off day, I like to either go for a run or, have some sort of um like either do uh, like an active recovery like doing some yoga or something um and then on a tuesday thursday and a saturday i'll work more on lower body my lower body will consist of um like single leg ordeals back squats uh i'll also get on like on a, on a leg press machine i'll do um uh, more so during the season i'll do like um rotational box, box jumps during the uh, off season i'll be just doing trying to increase my box jump as much as possible, trying to trying to uh, increase my vertical jump as much as possible. Um, so let's say I, w- I would generally squat on a Monday. Uh, I would I would deadlift usually on a Wednesday. And then I, I would uh, do a lot more um, um, like RDLs, single leg RDLs on a, on, um, on a Friday. So, uh, and then upper body, I would do, uh, try to do a lot of pull-ups, overhead presses. Uh, bench press would usually be on a Tuesday. Because it's it's quite hard, like you know, I, like I'd had this conversation with a lot of people around golf and, and the gym, like how I I think the problem people find when it's difficult is when they're dipping in and out. Like you're talking about a very consistent year there, you know when you're kind of in your off season, when you're in on season. Whereas amateur golfers, 
I know you don't play as much golf, over, you know, like in the winter and stuff, but that's actually a time for a lot of amateur golf, amateur golfers to play a lot because they have time off work and stuff. So a lot, a lot of people kind of try, they're reluctant to dip into heavy training because they'll be sore for golf. Uh, like I would have been like that when I was playing rugby and stuff. I wouldn't have wanted to, you know, it's the same thing. You're trying to perform at the weekend. But I suppose the key, the key for the, like people who, you know, they're recreational golfers that play once or twice a week is that consistent level of training and understanding what your body can tolerate really. Yeah, and then also I think, I think especially with golf, like muscle soreness will definitely have an impact on how you play. But the... Um, I, I I think the more the more you do it the the less the less soreness you will eventually have. So uh, and then also like the active recovery is a big is a big part of that. So if I if I'm doing if I'm squatting one day and I'm and I'm trying to get to eighty percent of my of my max the next day I'll 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 try to be quite aggressive with my recovery. So do a lot of yoga, a lot of mobility. So then when I go out and play golf, it's not hindering my performance because that would it would really turn you off playing golf because golf is the golf swing is a very peculiar thing in terms of like strength is very important but mo- mobility is equally as important so it's it's a tough balance trying to find the two trying to find a balance between the two for me i'm i'm i don't really struggle with with strength like i'm i'm quite strong for my size but mobility i haven't really been blessed with a lot of flexibility so it's 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 something that i need to work extra hard on if i want my performance to get better so so putting extra time into mobility is is something that I always need to do, whether it's in season or off season. Obviously, in the off season, when I'm playing less golf, aesthetics can kick in. You know, like just your will to train, your will to lift heavier as a man, especially like it's something <laughs> your ego can kick in, and you want to lift heavy. De- you want to deadlift. You want to squat. You want to bench press. Um, but it's it's that's why it's important to keep structure and realize what your weaknesses are. Yeah, and in terms of so another question uh, with regards to like if you're looking at how you set yourself up so mentally how you're approaching it your technical technical in terms of like the actual golf your physical the other bit was nutrition so like and that's definitely something in terms of like golf quite unique as a sport that um you're actually eating during it or you're there such a long time that you have to probably think about so for yourself when you're playing, do you have a routine with regards to like how you set your day up in terms of your eating to get the best out of yourself on the golf course? Absolutely. And that's a great question that actually people don't never really ask about about golf, especially. I'm also in a unique situation since I have type 1 diabetes. So no matter what, I try to keep as much structure with my diet as possible, even with even while playing around the golf. So let's say it can be quite difficult if I go to, let's say, uh if i go and play in spain in a in a tournament and i, I don't have access to foods that i generally would have access to so i would try to get there a couple of days early realize what what um what foods are available i would i would always let's say for example in if you play a, a tournament you'll generally tee off early one day late the second day or vice versa late the first day early the second day so that can have a huge change in terms of like what you would eat i generally I generally like snacking on a golf course. So let's say every every three holes or every six holes, I like eating. I, I, I like to keep fruit with me. So apples, bananas, some berries, just so I have constant um, uh, glucose in my system going through around, especially uh, when like when I play golf, because you can get quite emotional playing golf as well. It can it can uh, hinder my my blood sugar. So they they can always go down quite drastically easily. So I always have to have glucose um, in my bag. But in terms of breakfast or dinner, 
like when I'm playing in a in an early round, I generally wouldn't have breakfast. I might bring some sort of a, a breakfast wrap out with me so I can eat, let, let's say, uh, around 10 a.m. That's usually when I like to eat breakfast and then I can stick to my, my normal routine. Because for me, I'll, I'll have, with, with my diabetes and, and having an insulin pump, I'll have a, a certain basal rate that's set for certain hours. So if I, if I all of a sudden eat breakfast at 6 a.m., it gets quite complicated for my body. My body's reacting like, what am I doing eating at this time? Like I, I haven't eaten at this time in like seven months. Like what's going on here? But uh, I like to snack. Certain people don't like eating on a golf course. They don't They don't get any sort of appetite. For me, um, simple carbs are a very important aspect of it. I also think, uh, also depending where you are, like if you could be in a very hot climate or in a colder climate, that can also have effect on it. And the the biggest thing that I find is is just is just staying hydrated. Um, I I find especially playing uh, a couple of years ago. I played in South Africa in like forty five degrees heat in 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 Johannesburg, and it was like it was like you're getting cooked alive. It, it's it's so easy to to get dehydrated, and then when you're dehydrated, start making bad decisions, and then and then your body doesn't perform as well as you want. Um, but in terms of in terms of nutrition, fruit is seems to be the the consistent thing that that really helps me in terms of my my diet on a course. Unless you're playing in an FFS event, and then yeah, it's, it's cocktails. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, fruity, fruity cocktails. <laughs> it's funny because you talked about like emotions on the golf course stuff, and uh, I, I don't want to go into detail on it. But I remember a specific time we played golf together, and your pump was broken. You didn't realize it. You started to get very cranky with me very quickly, and to a point where I was like. You were talking me through a shot. You were like, look, it's a little eight iron, whatever. I didn't listen to you hit the shot. And he just went like pure silent. I didn't say a word to me for like five holes, right? So I was like, fucking, I don't know, I've really, I've really pissed this guy off here, you know? And then like, here it comes in, like, oh, my pump's actually broken. I was like, insulin was crashing through the floor. I didn't realize. Yeah, well, so that's actually a mad interesting thing about uh, like, let's say my, my situation. I'm not like i'm not a very emotional guy especially on a golf course like i i've i've worked very hard at that when i was young i used to get very emotional very angry very frustrated but we're big fans of a club throw in, in, in the room yeah right big club throw guys. the biggest fan but um <laughs> i i find i find that golf it, like getting emotional is it's obviously it's a great spectacle when you see tiger woods fist pumping or or john ram going crazy like it's very entertaining and i'm, I'm i definitely love seeing it but uh, in terms of my performance levels, I don't feel like getting emotional is a very helpful thing. Certain sports, rugby, soccer, um, mixed martial arts, boxing, if you get emotional, it can give you an extra sort of kick in terms of your punches can get faster, your tackles can get more intense. You can have an intimidation factor that plays uh, a role. But with golf, it doesn't matter. Like if you, if you don't if you don't learn, like it, the more emotion you'll get, the more that hinders your chance of learning between shots and and uh, and it, it really hurts your performance speaking on the emotional side of things this is probably the one last thing i want to pick your brain on for the golfer out there is say it's for you roads come on yeah, let's, let's be honest this is for, so, we need you roads yeah. peaking for september so the bits i've taken out of so far the bits i wanted to know about was how do you structure your practice so that's good because in terms of easy wins for getting better for a golfer, if you have a plan when you go into the range and you get better at that, the other bit is like, what are you doing physically to improve your game? Then what are you eating around the around? They're all like easy wins that someone looking to improve. You could start focusing on those because you probably never thought of them before you could get better. The last bit is that mix between 
how much emphasis do you put on enjoyment and how much do you put on improving? Because I've definitely found for me with golf, but it's the same with everything. Gym's the same. Is If you go too far down the road of improving and you stop enjoying what you're doing anymore, you tend to not improve as much. Or if you just spend, you only do the things you enjoy. So like the example there, maximum enjoyment for me on the range would just be getting the driver up and just whacking it. Yeah. And, and hit that. So that's probably the most enjoyable, but I'm probably not going to improve. So if you were to, for you, what's your kind of split around how much folks do you put on enjoying what you're doing? How much do you put on? Well, I think uh, it comes it comes down to like, what do you enjoy? I enjoy competition. I enjoy, I enjoy beating people. I enjoy like good competition and performing well in competition. So I understand that if I'm going to go to a, a tournament, all aspects of my game need to be good. So certain weaknesses that I have, I've, I always, like if I don't play well, it's generally because I struggle with my driving. So leading up to a tournament, I will put extra emphasis on driving, having this particular shot to that will perform perform, perform well <laughs> on, a, on a particular golf course that I'm going to play. Yeah. So, um, so that's that's what I like I don't I don't worry about enjoying it like I enjoy the competition so and that's the biggest it's not like I'm going out and I'm smelling flowers or I'm enjoying the grass or I'm enjoying the 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 golf course I I do enjoy the sport but the biggest thing that I enjoy is competition so I'm I'm trying to optimize my my chances of playing well in the competition so that that means uh structuring a way for my game to to peak uh, for a tournament so that means I will put 70% of my practice into my driving uh, my strengths are usually my putting and my short game they're very very low maintenance so I don't really need to maybe a little bit uh, of visualization with those aspects of my game hole and puts in pressure situations um, but it's usually ball striking that I need to put a little bit more emphasis on um, and so that's how I structure my practice it'll be more so I'll go out uh onto a range let's say the week before a tournament i will let's say i have 100 balls 70 of those balls would be on my long game so between mid irons drivers and then visualizing being on the course that i'm i'm going to play um and then even if i let's say visualize that i'm playing a certain course maybe and i'm hitting a onto a certain fairway that i set up on the range maybe try and make the fairway a little bit more narrow to make it a little bit more difficult on myself so i don't like there's no specific part of golf that I enjoy more than the other. I know that I've played well. I've played particularly well and not had good results because it might be a certain aspect of my game that lets me down. So maybe it could be putting, it could be chipping, it could be whatever. But I feel like I, I ripped the ball and I, I my ball striking was amazing. Um, but I, I've had the, the most satisfying times I've had playing golf is when I play okay at best, but I have a really, really good result. And that's what I get happiest about. That's what I enjoy most. So I need to make sure that everything is kind of at a relatively decent level. And I think that's where mentally is one of the biggest, uh, mental preparation is one of the biggest aspects of getting to that level. Because I can, like, just pure stress alone can make you drive the ball bad or put bad. Like worrying about a put, like, oh, I have this five-footer for birdie to get one shot off the lead. And then you three-put. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, uh, yeah, it, it's it's kind of, keeping in co- into context like what what do i actually enjoy and it, it yeah it's competition so it's it's managing my game as as much as possible that's really interesting yeah, yeah. i think it's beating the rest of ireland <laughs> yeah well, that's really like like you know i like i grew up playing a lot of sports and i enjoy a lot of different sports but 
I used to play on football teams or get like I, the only reason I played Gaelic was for competition and to hang out with my friends. But uh, like soccer, I loved. But it can be very frustrating when you play on a team. Oh, it was for Sunderland once. I don't know how yeah. we get to that yet. Yeah, sure, yeah, sure. yeah I did when I was younger. It's in Mike's notes. But um, notes. like yeah. you can you can uh, you can easily play really well. Like let's say playing like you could play for Ireland in in the Six Nations, and one particular player could have the game of his life, and they get hammered. You know, and so that's so that there's so mixed emotions walking off the field. Like I played a, an unbelievable match and we lost, and then vice versa. You could play a terrible, terrible game and win. But with golf, the thing I love about it is that it's 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 all all about numbers. So it's uh, it's all about you. If you play bad, it's your fault. If you play great, it's all because of you. Uh, so yeah, that that's one of the most interesting aspects of golf. That's why I, that's why I love it. That's the one thing that I actually love about it. All about you and your caddy, of course, who's carrying a serious bag by the sound of it with the amount of fruit you have in it. For uh, <laughs> okay. So just before we get into a bit of a quick fire round that Mikey's going to jump into in a second. Like, what, so what's it now? Because I know from, like, you know, a guy who gets the top 100 in the world, sorry, 80th in the world, let's be clear on that, uh, amateur golf. And like, a lot of people probably come to you, like the low hanging fruit questions, are you going to turn pro? Like, you know, that that's, that's an easy question to ask. So like, you know, what's... That's actually a good one because like, let's jump into that because that's, when you get to a certain level in, in golf... Um, like when you start to get into plus handicaps and let's say you play with with amateurs or let's say older guys at a club uh, you're definitely at a level that they've never really seen before so it's very it's very unique situation and it happens to me like a lot like 60 70 percent of the people that I play with are asking me that question now I got to the stage where I was in I was in college I I played quite good in, in college when I was in the states and then I came home and I I definitely thought about turning pro but you really need to have an, an honest conversation with yourself and think of like, if I turn pro, what are my chances of making a really solid living for for uh, like a long time and having a long, successful career? I felt like I was at the stage where I just didn't really have the game to make it as a pro. I wasn't, I wasn't an absolute baller in terms of like ball striking. If you want to be very, very good on the PGA Tour or the European Tour, it's very difficult to be consistent if you're not very long and very straight off the tee. Always my weakness has been my driving and I just never felt like that was going to be something that was going to be, that I was going to overcome to to be a successful professional. And I, I kind of came to terms with that and like, it's okay being, instead of, like I could easily turn professional and I might, like right now, and I might be a decent, uh, like let's say challenge tour player or get on the fringe of the European tour or whatever, but uh like you basically have zero chance of winning every week you go into so uh like right now i feel like i can compete at a high level in terms of amateur in on the european tour on the european circuit and in the irish circuit so it's yeah it's something that i I didn't let i didn't let members at golf clubs or friends kind of talk me into doing it It was just it just felt like something that uh i uh i didn't feel like i was i was gonna be able to do long term and then also the other aspect of it is that the financial aspect so let's say a year on the european tour you're looking at with a caddy on either the challenge tour or the european tour you're probably probably looking at about 45 to 50 grand in terms of expenses so you need a really good sponsor it's not like soccer where a team looks after everything you need a really good sponsor to have for like two or three years and then that can have a different sort of pressure i know a lot of guys that were really 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 good amateurs and I would have been shocked if they didn't make it as a professional, but they didn't have financial backing. So they were doing it on the absolute minimum. So that turns golf into a very, very complicated sport because 
a 10 footer could mean like could decide what you're eating for dinner you know think of it like a 10 footer is hard enough as it is and then if it hits a pitch mark or a spike mark and then lips out you feel like just getting a jcb and digging up a whole golf course you know <laughs> uh so uh i i knew a couple of guys that were like that that didn't have the financial backing and didn't make it as a pro because of the stress that they were under um and it so that just made my decision very very easy it's great self-awareness though because like I, that probably coincided when you made that decision that's when you had your best year you know and you, you got to like the, the best ranking that you've got to and kind of you know once you have that clarity about what you need to do and what level you need to be able to compete and like who knows what opportunities could still present themselves exactly like, because like it, it, it's, a, things. it's okay like it's it's great playing for like one of the greatest things you can do is represent your country and doing it as a doing it like as an amateur golfer is like a very very cool situation because amateur golf in Ireland is quite well supported in terms of uh, golf clubs like if you if let's say if I if I go uh, represent Ireland in a, in a certain location members of Carton House will go um, guys from from other golf clubs their members will go will go and um, support them so it's a very very cool situation to be able to do that um, and then yeah it's like what I was saying earlier when I made that decision that I wasn't going to turn pro wasn't in my mind anymore so I was just able to just free up and and concentrate on the simple things that I want to do and when I, I I was actually able to have that conversation with myself, it was really easy to think that, you know what, I actually just want to be really fucking good at golf. <laughs> so I, I'm not going to think about this. I'm just going to concentrate on getting really, really, really good and then see where it gets me. And so what, what are the big events this year? What are the things that you're targeting? So, uh, yeah, it's I, I'm, I'm kind of gone back to just keeping things as basic as possible. So obviously I want to win. I want to win every tournament that I get I enter into that. um but really just focusing on getting as good as I possibly can. And so uh, uh, I, have a, I have a good setup in terms of structure that I have now. I'm doing a lot less practice, but when I go out and practice, there's a lot more emphasis on uh, basics that I'm, I'm concentrating on. So uh, it could be setup, it could be ball flight. Uh, so instead of going out, like I'm, I'm very much a range junkie. I could stay in a range all day and hit balls. But instead of doing that, I'm, I'm trying to hit maybe 30 balls when I go to a range session or 40 balls but 40 balls might take me an hour and a half two hours just because I'm, I'm trying to visualize like I'm playing around yeah. so uh the, my, my goal this year is uh like obviously the big one is the British Am you would love to win that because you get to play the Masters and uh um so I'll, I'll caddy for you that weekend yeah yeah uh so uh obviously I I've always wanted to win a couple a couple tournaments in, in Ireland um, a couple of courses that I feel like suit me very very well Le Hinch is one in the south that I feel like no matter how I'm playing no matter what my situation is I can always go and, and win that because of how the, the golf course sets up for me um, and then there's a like every tournament in Ireland I, I have I put a big, big emphasis on because of uh, just how important it is to win a big tournament in your home country and then be able to celebrate that with your uh, with your members in your club a very very special thing that i've been able to see the likes of um uh, a few friends that i have celebrate with their the members of their home club so uh if i was to pick one that i would love to win this year it would be the south but um the big one the ultimate one is, is to win the uh, the british open or the british amateur yeah so watch this space yeah <laughs> uh, so what we got we got a bit of a quick fire round so Oh, sorry, Mike, have you got that before the quick fire round, Mike? No, carry no. on. So I've got, I've got, I'm going to start the quick fire round with a couple of little soft feelers in before Mikey gets into the good ones. You're not okay? going to ask any of my No, none of your okay, questions. Right. I'm not going to steal any of yours, Mike. I wouldn't do that to you, okay? 
So ready? So you're just gonna ask a question, then I just quick go, fire. Quick. You gotta bang it out straight away. Oh, this could get you messy. Take Let's the time go. With my five, if you like. My, my <laughs> probably mine are really quick, right? Ready? Yeah. White Russian or Moscow Mule? White Russian. Oh, straight away. Okay. Uh, Augusta or St Andrews? Augusta. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, your team win. Funny story about St Andrews that we need to tell, but anyway, maybe do- <laughs> maybe double back on that. We'll put that in the edits. Uh, so we we we'll get to that. Um, your team win and you lose your match. Or you win your match and your team lose. Team wins. Team I wins. lose my match. Okay. Yeah. Good to hear that. That's good. That's why you're on my team, Egan. Come, uh, come Ryder Cup time. Mikey, over to you. So, new feature of the podcast. You'll be the first victim. Beautiful. Uh, take a bit of time if you need to think about a few of these. But okay. Just five questions. So, outside of golf, what is your favorite type of training? Strength, yoga, hit training, running? What is it? Strength by a mile. Okay. Good man. That's one. By a million. <laughs> So specifically I probably know the answer to this already. Uh, the sports person you most admire. David Ginola. Oh, wow. I did not. No, I did yeah. not see that. Is that because your hair is so similar? Uh, just he's a person like soccer is my first love. Obviously Tiger Woods as well. That's but but uh, David Ginola, I, I, I fell in love with, with football and he was the first player that I got to watch on, on telly. And then I went to see Tottenham play a couple of times, even though they were disastrous, disastrously bad at the time. Um, even actually there now. But I got to see him and I, I, I wanted to, to play like him, like a, le- a left winger. I was a left footer. I always wanted to dribble with the ball. Uh, and he was just class. Yeah. Okay. Wow. That's massive yeah. curveball there. Yeah. <laughs> so, question three: You can invite three people to dinner. Who are they and why? Three people to dinner. Who are they? Anyone ever? Yeah, and ever. Yeah, let's go with that. Um. Um. Oh, it's David Ginola, one of them. David Ginola. <laughs> no leading. Promise. Moscow Mules with David Ginola. <laughs> in Augusta. Yeah, in Augusta. Um. Okay, so I think people ever. Oh, jeez, this could get mad. Three people. First three people to come to mind. Well, I'm thinking of like um, Michael Collins is definitely one. I'd love. Jeez, uh, I think like Leonardo da Vinci, another. Not what I expect. And then. Jeez, I'd have to throw like Elon Musk in there. Those three. Okay. Tiger so doesn't get the invite. Uh, he can go for a few drinks afterwards. <laughs> yeah, after party. You could, you could get it. Yeah, yeah. maybe, maybe like Tiger with like Marilyn Monroe or something. Get it really <laughs> dicey. <laughs> Second last question: the top three golf courses you've ever played from three to one. Three. Uh, um, okay, I would say Kings Barnes has to be there. Number three. Got to play there with Rory. That's where you had the insulin spike. And yeah. Hated me. Even through all that adversity, I still enjoyed it. Yeah. We got a half on 18 though. Yeah. Big half. Um, number two is it's kind of like a, a 1A and a 1B, I think my top two. Okay. I think uh, I think Port Rush, Royal Port Rush is number two. And, and then I think Kiwa Island, the ocean course is number one. Okay. Very good. And nice. then the final question. What is the best advice you've been ever you've ever been given? Um, I think well, my my dad, my dad always said to me growing up was that um, like very very simple that the the people who make it to the top are the people who who are the most talented that work the hardest. So never think like he always said, just make sure you you work harder than everyone else. 
And that, that was very simple advice. And then I actually got the pleasure of meeting Sevi Ballesteros at the Sevi Trophy. I think it must have been 2009 when it was in the, Her- the Heritage in Port Leash. And um, I got a chance to meet Sevi and he, he said uh, one bit of advice he gave to me. He just said, practice, practice, practice. And he drove off in his cart. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, definitely just, just hard work and dedication. Yeah, well, a, yeah. you certainly threw the cat amongst the pigeons with some of those answers anyway, but uh, <laughs> thanks, really good stuff there. Yeah, Rory. nice. I didn't want to mention this, but Rory brought it up. So uh, when, when, I, when I had the absolute pleasure of, um, of playing St. Andrews for the first time was with Rory, my dad, and also a, a friend of ours, Brian Cunningham. Uh, we were on the 17th tee and it was just like, we were so excited for the whole round to play the 17th, the famous 17th hole where you're hitting over the hotel. Um, uh, I can't remember who stood up first. It might have been Brian stood up first, hit one down the middle. As he does. Rory stands up. I take a video of his swings. We want to capture this moment on on, uh, on camera. And Rory like hits it. With the first one was way right, wasn't it? Like way right, right of the hotel. Like high and right of the hotel. And so Rory, like as soon as he hit it, he knew it went way right. So he was like effing and blind and swinging his club. Wanted to just dig up the whole place <laughs> and then I think my dad went I didn't realise I'd hit two I just yeah. I thought that was okay right yeah so so my dad uh, yeah just a suppressed memory but uh, my dad stood up then and then hit it way right as well which is very unlike him but obviously the moment got to him and then Rory stood up with his provisional and then hit it low and right and like I'm videoing again hit it low and right hits the hotel the hotel is about 200 yards away hits the hotel and then like comes back twice as fast straight towards us and then I actually I'm raging one of the biggest regrets of my life is that I stopped the camera because I had to duck and dive out of the way (laughs) and the ball finished about 20 yards behind us and it was just the most phenomenal thing that I've uh, that I've seen on a golf course and the fact that it happened on that hole is just incredible and then to finish we went up onto the roof we had night. the pleasure we had a few Moscow mules we had a, the pleasure of drinking a, like an 18 year old Macallan's whiskey at the top at the top of uh, of the, the the St. Andrews Hotel uh, on the 17th and uh, me and Rory had a couple Moscow mules then and we were like let's go find this ball it's probably on the <laughs> it's probably on top of the on top of the hotel so we we, we, we actually spent about 20 minutes trying to open the door like we thought it was locked so we had to get an employee of the hotel to come like help us open this door find the key and he just walks up to the door and pushes it and it opened after <laughs> <laughs> us like absolutely pulling the door off the hinges and uh, uh, and then so we walked out and then we, we tried to get up in the top of the hotel Rory did got up on the top of, ho- on top of the hotel and then was hanging off the side of the hotel looking down and could probably see his ball. We saw a we couple of balls. It. We Did found you find it? it. We found it, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. One a time. We, oh, that was incredible. I don't think we, we got to finish on that note. We, you know, yeah. tell the rest of the story another time off air about yeah. what happened afterwards. But uh, listen, Keith, th- thanks a million. I think there's, there's some unreal nuggets in there. Like Rudd said, there's low-hanging fruit there for some people who you know, want to kind of find immediate ways or think about prep for golf and think about things differently. Uh, and obviously some really interesting things like hearing about your own career and journey and where you're at and obviously uh, from all of us at the gym and all of our members and everything we'll be keenly following what you do over the next couple of years and wishing you all the very best thanks very much lads I uh, I love the podcast I've, I've, I've listened to almost every one of them so um, it's class I love what you're doing I just hope you do more of them yeah. nice <laughs> thanks lads thanks, cheers, cheers. cheers.